So good to be with you all tonight. My name's Josh Smith, and it is such an honor and a privilege to be with each and every single one of you. And uh, I'm not just here by myself, I'm here with my wonderful wife, uh, Jamie Lynn Smith. She's right over here to my right, and uh, she's the better. Yeah, you can clap for her, praise Jesus. I married way out of my league. That's how I know miracles are true. Um, but I'm just so privileged to be with each and every single one of you tonight. When Pastor Jeremy invited me to be here, I was just like, yes, I would love to do that for you. And uh, I've known Pastor Jeremy for a, a little over four years now. And I just got to tell you this before I get started. You have an amazing pastor, okay? You are so spoiled. He is so, yeah, you clap for Pastor Jeremy too. And if you're watching Jeremy, shout out to you. I love you. He told me he was going to be live streaming this, I think. But he's just such a great guy. He loves Jesus. He loves his wife. He loves his family. He's a great pastor, great preacher. And I have to say this, a lot of pastors are like really, really, really serious and they're kind of a drag to hang out with. But Jeremy is just so much fun. I mean, and some of you, you know him personally. I mean, he's just so much fun to hang out with. Uh, such a great guy. And I've known him for a little over four years uh, because his BFF, his best friend for life, Pastor Kelly, was actually my boss for the last four years. I was uh, serving under Pastor Kelly's leadership as a youth pastor the last four years, and uh, Jeremy and Kelly are best friends. So that's kind of how we met. Uh, but recently, uh, actually last Sunday, was my last Sunday as the youth pastor over in Benicia at New Harbor Church. And uh, now my wife and I are kind of going throughout the whole Bay Area, and we're helping different churches help get restarted and revitalized. Because a lot of you know, during this COVID-19 craziness pandemic, not only have a lot of businesses shut down, but a lot of churches have shut down or have gotten close to shutting down. And so one of the things we get to do is, is help churches get restarted and revitalized, which has uh, been really exciting. But anyways, enough about me. I'm here to talk to you about Jesus. So let's pray together and uh, we'll get started. Jesus, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you so much that you want to speak to us. God, I ask that as we get into your word tonight together, that, Lord, that it would be your word speaking through me to these people that you love, that you created, that you care about. God, that it would be your spirit, your Holy Spirit, which is the greatest teacher of all teachers, convicting us, comforting us, challenging us, bringing us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the gospel is the good news about what Jesus has done for us. If you understand the gospel, you understand the very heart of Christianity. If you don't understand the gospel, you misunderstand the very heart of Christianity. Now the gospel, like I said, is good news. And can I get an amen that in a world filled with bad news, we need some good news, amen? amen. We need some good news. And last time I checked, this year, 2020, we got more bad news this year than any news that I could ever remember in my life, right? We got bad news about the virus. We got bad news about the fires. We got bad news about hurricanes. We got bad news about all sorts of just craziness and violence going on in our country. There's a lot of bad news. Bad news is easy to find. You can go on social media. There's plenty of bad news there. You can go on the news. There's bad news there. It's not that hard to find bad news. And in a world filled with bad news, I want to talk to you about the good news today. There was a woman that once lived. She went through a time that I think was filled with a lot of bad news. Her name was Corey Tin Boom. And Corey, along with her whole family, they were actually shipped off into concentration camps. And what ended up happening, happening is, is her whole family 
died. She was the only survivor. And she ended up writing a book, and there's a quote in her book, I believe it's called The Hiding Place, and she says this. She says, if you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll find rest. You see, the gospel offers us good news that even when we look in this terrible world and we can feel distressed, even when we look within ourselves in the turmoil that many of us have, and I know that there are many of you here that are maybe struggling with anxiety or addictions or whatever, relational struggles, and there's depression within, there's distress when you look out in the world, even in that context, you can find rest in Christ through the good news of what Jesus has done for you. The problem is, is people don't focus on the good news. In fact, in a world filled with bad news, rather than us focusing on the good news of Jesus, what I tend to see happening, even with Christians, is we tend to only focus on the bad news, rather than focusing on the good news. And the tragic part is, is not only do we not focus enough on the good news, but what I found is many people don't even fully understand the good news in its fullness. In fact, there was a, a study recently done, a statistical study, and it was on the good news, it was on the gospel. And this was one of the findings of that study. One of the main findings, and it didn't necessarily shock me, it more just kind of saddened me. This was one of the findings, 52%, so more than half, 52% of Christians, not non-Christians, 52% of Christians do not understand the gospel. That same study also said that 80% of people between the ages of 18 and 29 do not understand the gospel. So not only in a world filled with bad news do we not focus on the good news, but also those that think they believe the good news, and this is people claiming to be Christians, when asked questions about how to explain the gospel, 52%, more than half, didn't even really know how to explain it. They didn't even know what it really meant. And this poses an incredible problem. You see, I want to talk to you about that good news today. The title of my sermon, if I had to give it a title, which I did, is very simply titled, The Gospel. And what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about what the gospel is. I want to talk to you about what the gospel isn't. And then I want to talk to you about what it looks like when you share it. Okay, so what it is, what it isn't, and then what it looks like when you share it. We're going to be doing that today as we look through Galatians chapter 1. Verses 1 to 10. So if you have a Bible, either like this one I'm holding right here, or a digital Bible, we accept all forms of Bibles here, okay? If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Now let me give you a little context here before I read it. Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, and this is a church that he had helped found. He had gotten into this area, into this context. He had introduced these people to Jesus. There had been a church that was founded from it. And they had, as you could say, started off on this journey, on this race of following Jesus and believing the gospel and the truth of what Jesus had done for them and the fact that it was good news. But what happened was, is Paul helped found this church, but then he went on to do other missionary work. And as he was out and about doing other missionary work, he caught wind and he got news that they had been deceived by false teachers that the gospel that he had preached to them had been distorted, and that they had started to believe in a false gospel. And so he's writing to the church in Galatia to correct this false teaching on the gospel. And it's through these first 10 verses that we learn about what the gospel is, what it isn't, and what it looks like when we share it. So let's read. 
starting in verse 1. This is what God's Word says. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And as we have already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would still not be a servant of Christ. So, to the first point, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? The gospel is mainly about the grace of God. The gospel is a gospel of grace. Now, in these ten verses that I just read to you, that word grace is used two times. It's first used in verse 3, and then it's the second time it's used in verse 6. And I want to focus on verse 6 here, where Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel. So what he's saying here is he's saying what the gospel is, is the gospel calls each and every single person to live in the grace of God. And what he's saying is that they had turned to a different gospel that was not based on the grace of God, but something else. And he's saying that's actually not a real gospel. Because the real gospel, the true gospel, the only gospel is a gospel that is a gospel of grace. Now the question is, is what is grace? How would you define it? Now, maybe if you've been around church for a while, maybe you haven't, but maybe, maybe you've heard this definition of grace before. And I think it's actually a good definition of grace. Grace is often defined as God's unmerited favor. And that's good, but I like to take it a little bit step further and maybe try to make it a little bit more clear for folks. My definition for grace that I want to share with you today is this, is that grace is God's free gift of love and forgiveness in your life. Grace is the gift that God gives you, and the gift that he gives you as a free gift is his love, his unconditional love, and his forgiveness in your life. And the question comes into being, well, why do we need grace? Well, the reason we need grace is because the Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Why do we need the gift of God's forgiveness? Well, because we've all done things that need forgiving. Why is it that we need God's love, His unconditional love? Well, because we've all done things and been someone that, quite frankly, are not lovable within ourselves. In fact, the first and the second most important things that any of us could ever do with our life, Jesus said it Himself, the great commandment, We are all made by God, and for what purpose? To love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. Nobody, nobody, I haven't done, nobody's done any of that perfectly. Nobody has fully loved God perfectly, and nobody has loved their neighbor as themselves, right? If that was the case, then all the problems that would be happening right now in our culture wouldn't be happening, right? If everybody loved God with all their heart, 
Everybody loved their neighbor as themselves. Nothing would be going on that's going on right now. But the truth is, is we've all sinned, we've all fallen short and not loved God purpose perfectly. And so the result of that sin is separation from God. Separation from Him, not just here on earth where we don't have a right relationship with Him, but ultimately if that relationship and that separation continues, goes into eternity, ultimately into hell. And so why do we need His grace? We need His grace, we need His forgiveness, because ultimately we all need forgiveness. Now how does He forgive us? How does He give us this love? How does He offer us this free gift of grace? Well, through the cross. Jesus offered us this free gift of grace in the cross because it was on the cross that although Jesus had never sinned, He never needed to be forgiven because He was perfect, unlike you and me. He died on the cross in our place for our sins. And it wasn't because he wasn't on the cross because he deserved to be there, right? The other two people that were up on the cross next to him, they deserved to be there. They were criminals, but he didn't deserve to be there. Why was he being treated like a criminal? Because he was being treated like we deserve to be treated. He was standing in our place for our sins as the perfect sacrifice, as the perfect substitute. And he rose again three days later so that if you believe in him, if you have believed in him, you can be forgiven forever. You can receive his love into your life and be brought into a completely new life. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And it is a free gift of grace. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to achieve it. You simply receive it as a free gift. Okay? You can think of it like this. It's August, and uh, my birthday is August 7th, so it wasn't too long ago. And uh, I turned 26. Yeah, I know. You thought I was still 21, all right? I had a beard three days ago, and I looked a lot older, okay? But, all right, I turned 26 uh, August 7th. And uh, just imagine with me for a second that you're with me on my birthday. You're with me at my birthday party, and you really, you know, care about me. You love me. So you show up at my birthday party, and you know that I love Nike. And you know that I love Nike, so you come and you just, you bring me some brand new, like, Nike sneakers, right? And you, and you, and you say, happy birthday, Josh, and you, and you hand me that gift bag that is filled with brand new Nike sneakers. Now, in that moment, when you handed that bag to me, what if I said this? What if I said, oh, thank you so much for this great birthday gift. How much was it? And I said, how much was it? And you, you kind of like, mm, it's kind of a weird question. It's his birthday, so I'll just go along with it, right? And you're like, oh, it was 80 bucks. I go, oh, it's $80? Thank you so much. Just one second, right? And I go back, I take my wallet out, right? And I, and I take out $80 and I say, here you go, thank you so much. You, you look at me like, well, what are you doing? It's your birthday. This is a gift. You're not supposed to pay me for this. All you're supposed to do is just receive it. All you're supposed to do is just be thankful. And all you're supposed to do is just put the shoes on. And don't you know that that's what Jesus did for you when he died in your place for your sins on the cross and offers you forgiveness, he offers you love, he offers you relationship. You don't have to earn your way into being right with God. You just have to tell him that, God, I know I need you and I want to place my faith. His grace is a gift that is freely received. It's not something that you achieve through being a good person, okay? And once you receive that free gift of forgiveness, that it is His grace, here's what you need to know. Here's the promise. Is that you're forgiven forever, period. All your sins, past, present, future. No matter what you go through, no matter what you're going through right now, that grace is stronger than any sin, anything that you could ever do. His grace is greater. 
Once you place your faith in him, it's forgiven forever final. That's the gospel. It's about his grace. But here's the problem. Okay, remember the Galatian church? They had started off on the right track. Paul had shared the gospel with them, but then what happened? They started to believe a different gospel that was really no gospel at all. And here's the truth. That didn't just happen then. That wasn't just like a one-time event where that church kind of got off on the gospel and then no church ever in the history of the world ever got off on the gospel. Yeah, it's something that still happens today. And so that brings me to my second point that I want to make to you about what the gospel is not. The gospel is not this. It's anything other than the gospel of grace. In fact, I'll say this. Is any gospel that's not about the gospel of grace is garbage. Okay? That's really the bottom line of my second point, is that any gospel that is not rooted in grace is actually garbage. Okay? Let me read you uh, verses 6 to verse 9 again. Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let's just stop there before we read the rest, okay? He's saying, even if an angel, <laughs> even if an angel comes to you and says, hey, I got this new gospel for you, this new revelation from God. This is what the good news is. He's like, don't believe it. It's lying. The Bible talks about demons that are wrapped as angels in light, right? They're wolves, right? Wrapped in sheep's clothing. They're not preaching the true gospel. In fact, this is what Mormonism was founded on, by the way, right? Joseph Smith claimed to have a vision from God himself to have like angels reveal to him this new gospel. All of Christianity was wrong. This is really the new gospel. This is the real truth, right? Paul says, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here in the book of Galatians, that if anybody perverts the gospel, they change the gospel, they're wrong. Continuing, okay, he says, let them be under God's curse. So he's not messing around here. As we've already said, now I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under curse. God's curse. Okay, so he repeats himself again. This is a very serious matter. Why? Because it's the gospel. It's central to the Christian faith. If you mess with the gospel, you're messing with the core of Christianity. Now, how was the Galatian church getting off in the wrong area when it came to the gospel? Like, where, what area were they going into? Well, in that context and in that time, what was happening in the Galatian church is these Jewish teachers, these Jewish false teachers, and they were trying to convince the Galatian church that they were not just saved and they were not just brought into a new relationship with God because of his grace. But they said, no, 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 no. It's not just grace. It's grace plus works equals salvation. And so it's not just God's grace, but it's grace plus, and it was particularly, and this is where they really were able to trick the Galatian church, is it was some of these Old Testament laws that were in the Bible. You see, the most deceitful false teachers, they don't just teach you false truths, but they use the Bible to support their false truths to make you think it's the real truth when it's not. And these Jewish teachers, they were saying, well, you have to kind of abide by all these Jewish, old Jewish laws and, and regulations, and unless you fulfill all of these religious regulations, you're not saved. You're not brought right into a real relationship with God. And like I said before, this isn't just something that happened then. This happens all the time today. 
And so what I want to do is I want to share with you three different, what I call garbage gospels that are very common today. Okay? Three garbage gospels that you need to be aware of so that one, you don't believe them, and two, so that you can make sure that people in your life don't believe them. So here's the first one that's very common today, and it's actually in direct correlation to the false gospel in the Galatian church, and it's this. It's very simple. It's the gospel of works. Salvation by works. Now, this is actually the most common false gospel in the world. In fact, earlier I cited that statistic to you about how 52% of Christians do not understand the gospel. Do you know what the majority view of the gospel was by Christians that didn't understand the gospel? Is they thought it was grace plus works. Okay? Only 48% of Christians believe that they were just only saved by God's grace. Okay, that is astounding. Why? The question is, why do people believe this? Why, why, why do people believe that it's, it's not just purely God's grace that saves us, it's His grace plus our works that makes us right with Him? Well, this is why. I think it's because that's a very religious way to think. In fact, I think a lot of churches genuinely believe that, and if they don't believe it and preach it, they certainly live like it. And in fact, I would say this is the number one reason why many churches in America are in decline, and it's why many people that are outside of the church and are outside of a relationship with Jesus don't want anything to do with the church. The reason they don't want anything to do with the church is because they think that the church is a religious club of Christians that conform to a certain set of religious rules and regulations, and if you don't conform to those rules and regulations, you're not welcome and you're out of the club. You see, and when we make Christianity about that, we don't make the center God's grace, we make the center about us and what we do. What we do is we get completely off base, and what was supposed to be powerful and attractive and life-transforming to the rest of the world no longer has its power. And we deter the very people that we were meant to reach with the grace of God. But I think another reason uh, that we believe this false gospel and why many people do is this. It's just pride. In fact, most people, not only that are Christians, but are non-Christians, believe in works salvation. Most people, I've even noticed that, that aren't even Christians, they'll say, well, you know, I don't really believe in God. And maybe this describes you. I don't really believe in God. You know, I, I don't really necessarily believe in Jesus. I wouldn't really call myself a Christian. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really call myself an atheist either. That's kind of how most people describe themselves today. And say, but if God is real, and if Jesus is real, I'm sure that I'd get into heaven because I'm a pretty good person. I mean, compared to most people, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, look at me. I'm, it's not like I'm Adolf Hitler or anything. I'm sure God would accept me. I mean, why would the loving God send good people to hell? Why wouldn't he accept me? But here's how you got to think of it, okay? Imagine just for a moment that we all, right now, took a trip to Santa Cruz. And we went to your favorite beach in Santa Cruz. Whatever beach that is. Maybe, let's just say the beach board, boardwalk, right? Because we all know where that is, right? And we all get up onto the beach, and I say, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. I want all of you to jump into the ocean and swim to Hawaii, right? You guys, what? Swim to Hawaii? I love Hawaii, but I'd rather like fly there than swim there. I'd say, no, you all need to swim to Hawaii. Well, here's what happened, right? Some of you, you might, maybe you're in really good shape and you're a good swimmer. Maybe you'll swim and maybe you'll make two miles, right? Some of you, you might swim and might, maybe you'll make, you know, 20 minutes. Some of you, you won't last two minutes. Some of you, you won't last two seconds, right? You're just a terrible swimmer and you're just going to drown right away. Okay, here's the reality. 
is some of us might make it farther than others, but nobody is going to make it the whole way. And you see, when it comes to perfectly measuring up to all that God has for us, nobody makes it the whole way. Nobody is perfect, and we all fall short, and we cannot be saved by works. And some people might be seemingly more morally virtuous than others, but the truth is, is nobody is good enough to get into heaven, and so we cannot be saved by works. It's only by grace, period. That's it. And that's the most common garbage gospel in today's culture. It's salvation by works. And there are plenty of people in the church that believe it. And I just want to say this. If you believe in a works gospel, you actually don't believe the gospel. If you believe that you're saved by your works, then you're not saved. And so we need to know that that's not the true gospel. But here's a second one that's also very common today, and it's this. It's what I call the prosperity gospel. And maybe you've heard about this gospel before. This is what this gospel looks like, and this is what this gospel portrays God as. The prosperity gospel portrays God as a vending machine. And God is this great vending machine with all these things inside of him that I want and I desire. And what I do is I walk up to God and I put in my change, I put in my cash, I swipe my credit card, whatever it is, I get what I want from him and I walk away and don't have a relationship. This gospel is very popular in America because it says if you believe in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you get religious, if you go to church, God will make you healthy, wealthy, and happy. Those are the three words of the prosperity gospel. Typically, these people, they like to smile a lot. And they say, if you believe in God, he will make you wealthy and healthy and happy, and you will have just an amazing life. But you see, first of all, this is completely unbiblical and found nowhere in the Bible, because first of all, if following Jesus meant that you'll always be healthy, happy, and wealthy, well, then it seems like Jesus wasn't a very good Christian because his life ended up on a cross, <laughs> right? And also, all of his closest followers, most of them ended up martyrs' deaths, terrible deaths, okay? You read all throughout Scripture, and the truth is, is following God doesn't exempt you from suffering here on earth. The truth is, is following God, oftentimes, some of the people I've known in my life that suffered the most are the people that I know that have the most amazing and closest relationships with God. And so here's what the prosperity gospel does and how it's so damaging is that it deceives people into thinking that God is going to make their life like this bubble-wrapped paradise where you're never going to get hurt and everything's going to work out for you. But then the truth is, is that all of us at some point in our life experience suffering. And so the moment this person that believes this false gospel experiences suffering, they lose their faith. Because they think, well, why am I suffering? I thought God was supposed to make me healthy and wealthy and happy. Why is he letting me go through this? And so they leave their faith. And the reason they leave their faith is because it wasn't a real faith. And so the prosperity gospel is a false gospel. Here's the third and the final one. And this is actually the most, uh, I'd say, trendy one and most common one today, especially with people in my generation. And it's this. It's the social gospel. And here's how this gospel works is it says, we as followers of Jesus are meant to follow Jesus in such a way that we bring heaven here on earth. And we bring heaven here on earth through societal reform, whether that reform 
maybe have to do with climate change or ending poverty or ending hunger or getting people clean water or racial reconciliation or whatever that is. And the good news has nothing to do with the cross. It has nothing to do with God's grace. It has nothing to do with us being sinners. It has everything to do with us making this world a better place and bringing heaven here on earth. You've heard this gospel recently. I'm sure most of you have because it's the most common and the most trendy one right now. And here's why it's so deceitful. Because those all sound like wonderful things. Like, oh my gosh, I would love for there to be no more racial tension. Like, I would love for there to be no more hunger. Like, I would love for everybody in this world to have clean water. That sounds wonderful. That sounds amazing. But here's why it's wrong. And here's why it's not the gospel. Because everything that I just said, those are implications of the gospel, but they are not the gospel itself. Okay? So let me explain what that means. Okay? The gospel, like we already said, is about the grace of God. It's the good news of what's been done for you on the cross in Christ. Okay? The implication of the gospel, so what the gospel should cause you to do, is because God's unconditionally loved me, because he's forgiven me, because he's saved me, because he cares for me, I'm going to care for other people. But you see, you're not saved by how good you are at loving other people. You're saved because of how much God loves you. You see, here's what all three of these garbage gospels have in common, is they're all centered around self. They're all selfish in nature. They're all about what you do rather than what Christ has done for you. Okay? The works gospel is about what you do as a religious person and a good person. And if you do enough religious things, then you're saved. Right? The prosperity gospel is selfish because it's about what does God give me? And not does God give me himself, but no, what are material, temporal things that God gives me so that I can be happy? And then the social gospel is, is what do I do to make this world a better place? It's all about what I do. It's all about what I want rather than what God has done for you. Here's the good news about the gospel is God is the gospel. The good news is that you get God. The good news is that you're forgiven, not just so that you could have a clear conscience, but you're forgiven so that you could have a right relationship with God that starts here on earth, but ultimately lasts forever and eternity in heaven. That's what makes the gospel good, is that you get God. And you see, it's not about what you do, it's about what he's done. Think about it this way. Some of you, you're still students, so this will be easy for you, but all of us, we've been in class at one point or another. So if you're older, just think back to that time where you were a student, right? So you have a teacher, you have a teacher, it's a Friday. Let's say it's a Friday and uh, you got a big test on, on Friday. And the teacher gets in front of the class, or let's just say on the Zoom, because that's how school's going down right now, right? And they say, class, I got good news for you. In addition to the test that you'll be taking today, I have doubled your reading for the weekend, and you have a project due on Monday, right? What's the class going to say? What? That's not good news. Oh, my God, you're giving me more things to do. Like, are you kidding me? That's not good news. But what if instead of that, the teacher says, hey, class, I got good news for you. You have no homework this weekend, and you all get automatic A's on your tests. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I'm so excited, right? Why? Because the good news about what is about what God has given you, it's about what he's done for you, not because you deserved it, not because you deserve the A, quite the opposite, you deserve the F, we've all failed, but he gave us the A anyways, he did it for us anyways, he loved us anyways, and it's about what he's done, not what we do. And so that's 
a little bit about what the gospel is not. Ultimately, it's not works-based. It's not about the social gospel. It's not about the prosperity gospel. And so, to our third and final point, and it's this. And this is, again, this is this last point. This is actually an implication of the gospel. So don't get this third and final point confused with the gospel itself. This is something that should overflow out of you believing in God's grace. But my third and final point on what it looks like when you share the gospel, it's this, is when you share the gospel, you will go against the grain of culture. When you share the gospel with people, you will go against the grain of culture. Let me just read you verse 10 again. This is, mind you, written after Paul has completely rebuked this church. He's completely told them that everything they're starting to believe is completely wrong and they need to go back to their first love. And he says this after he's gently and passionately rebuked them as their spiritual father. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, hey guys, I just totally called you out. Like I just told you that everything you're starting to believe is wrong. And that actually anybody that ever says and teaches these false gospels, they're under God's curse. Right? He's not playing around. He's really serious here. He is calling them out. And he says, you know why I'm doing this? Am I trying to win your approval? Am I trying to please people? He says, no. I'm living for the approval of God. I'm not living for the applause of a crowd. I'm living for an audience of one, and that audience is Jesus. I'm living for him, which means I'm going to share the truth even when it's tough. I'm going to share the gospel even when you disagree. I'm going to share it with you even when you've gone astray. I'm going to pursue you, and I'm going to go against the grain. Now, what does it mean to go against the grain? This is a common kind of saying in our culture, but just imagine with me for a moment that you chopped off a piece of wood from a huge tree, right? And you took your hand and you waved it along with the grain, right? It's going to go down smoothly with the wood, right? You do the exact opposite. You rub your hand against the grain. What are you going to get on your, on your hand, probably? You're going to get splinters, okay? When you go against the grain, you get splinters. And you see, when you share the gospel with people, it's ultimately good news because God wants to give every single person grace, love, forgiveness, renewed relationship with him. But at the same time, the good news is good on one side, but on the other side, there's also some bad news. And the bad news is that you're a sinner. The bad news is that you need to be saved. And if you don't repent and you don't get saved, that ultimately you're not just separated from God now, but forever. And here's the truth about the gospel, is it goes against the grain of our culture. Because like I said before, most people believed that they're good people. Most people believe that they don't need God, especially in the Bay Area here. I've lived here my entire life. And you know what's the thing I've noticed here in the Bay Area? Is most people think that they just don't need God and they're good people. Most people think, well, you know what, I'm busy. Even in this pandemic where people, yeah, I, I thought... I thought when we were going through this pandemic, it's like, oh man, people are going to be turning to God. They're going to realize they need God because of all this stuff that's going on. But it's just the same. We find new ways to get busy. We Statistics have told us that uh, you know many people are working even more hours than they did before, even though they're at home and not in the office. 
and we get more busy, we get more self-sufficient, we're very educated, most people are, are, are very, very wealthy here, and if you're not wealthy compared to your peers, you're extremely wealthy compared to the rest of the world. And the bottom line is, is the number one barrier that keeps people from believing in the gospel is ultimately our self-sufficiency, it's our pride. And when you share the gospel, even though it is good news, it has an offensive side to it, you're going against the grain of our culture, because what you're saying is, is you can't save yourself. What you're saying is, is you need a savior. And when you share the gospel, you're gonna go against the grain, which means, guess what? You're gonna get spiritual splinters, okay? You're gonna get spiritual splinters. And we see this all throughout the world, especially in China and in the Middle East, where Christians are getting killed, they're getting their heads chopped off because of their faith, they're having church buildings lit up on fire, and you know what? They don't really report that as much in the news. But the truth is, is there are Christians all across the world that are being persecuted very intensely. And it doesn't happen here in America because of a lot of the rights that we have. But I can tell you this, the way that our culture is going, especially here in the Bay Area, is that our culture is becoming more and more and more antagonistic to the gospel. It's becoming more and more against what it means to follow Jesus and to believe the gospel. And I tell you this, if you speak up and you have the courage to actually share the gospel with people, you're going to have people that are going to receive it with gladness and it's going to change the life. It's going to be amazing. But you're also going to have some people that are not going to like it and they're not going to like you. They're going to unfriend you on social media. They might send you a nasty message. You know, your boss might not like you. You might be alienated at work. You might be seen as, as stupid because you believe in this old religion that's outdated. And you need to be willing to have the courage to speak up even if you're going to get a splinter. And I'd say this. If you have never received a spiritual splinter from sharing the gospel, it can mean one or two things. Number one, it means that you need to grow in your faith. It means that you need to grow in your faith because, you see, the more you grow in your faith in God's grace, the more you're going to share it. The more you grow in your faith in what Jesus has done for you and you enjoy Him more and you experience Him more, it's just going to happen naturally. And so if you haven't gotten a splinter yet from sharing your faith, it means that you need to grow in your faith to the point where you share it so much that you get a few splinters. That's the first thing it can mean. The second thing it can mean is this. It can mean that maybe you don't have a faith. Okay? Maybe you never share because you don't even believe it. And so the truth is, is when you truly understand the gospel, when you truly, truly, truly experience it and savor it and enjoy it, you're going to share it, and when you share it, you're going to get splinters because you're going against the grain. The culture is going one way, and you're going the other. But remember, that's an implication of the gospel. It's an outflow of what he's done for us. So you're not saved by you know, being you know, the next evangelist that speaks to thousands of people, right? You're not saved by how effective you are in that. But once you realize what he's done for you, you're going to want to share and so today we've been talking about the gospel, and I'm going to wrap up here in the next maybe handful of minutes. But what is the gospel? Well, firstly, it's about grace. Number two, if it's not about grace, it's garbage. And thirdly, sharing it means going against the grain. Now I want to go back to it being all about grace and receiving that grace by faith in your life and in your heart. And I want to go back to that because of this. The number one way that you can realize if something is a false gospel and the number one way that you will be motivated to share the gospel is if you first go back to that first step of receiving 
God's grace. In fact, the foundation of everything I've said is receiving God's grace. If you receive his grace, you will know what is the false gospel and the real gospel. You will have the motivation to go out and share with others. Okay? Think about it like this as it relates to the false gospels. Right? If you ask uh, a professional that maybe knows the difference between a counterfeit $100 bill and the real thing, what you'll notice is the reason they know the difference between a counterfeit $100 bill and a real $100 bill isn't because they study all the counterfeits. Right? There are dozens of counterfeits that have been, have been made. The reason they know the difference is because they study the real thing. And you see, when you study the real thing, when you study the gospel, when you meditate on the gospel, when you read the scriptures and learn about who Jesus is and what he's done, all you have to do is do that, and then by default, you'll know what isn't that. And you see, when it comes to sharing it, it's just an overflow when you receive it. And so the first step is always receiving it. And I want to say this. The Apostle Paul, in verse 6 of Galatians 1, I want you to notice this. He encourages them to live in grace. Other parts of the Bible talk about believing in the grace of God. And certainly we need to believe in the grace. But the idea of living in His grace means that receiving Jesus' grace into your life is not just a one-time event you did in the past. It's something that you're meant to live in every single moment of every single day. And it's something that's meant to be done with urgency because it is the greatest gift you could ever receive. In fact, there are some of you here... Maybe you need to receive that grace for the very first time. Maybe tonight is the night that you can open up your heart to his grace and say, Jesus, I know and I want to receive your grace today. But there are those of you that you've already made that decision. And today's the, another day. It's the next day where you live in his grace more. You go deeper into the ocean that is his grace. Because I can tell you this, it doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for five years or 50 years. Every day is a day that you can live in His grace in a deeper way, because that's how deep His grace is. And you see, it's receiving His grace, living in His grace. It needs to be done with an urgency, and it needs to be done every day. Okay, imagine with me for a moment, and I'm going to close here on this, that I, it was your birthday, so it's not my birthday anymore, okay? Let's say it's your birthday. And I, I, I show up to your birthday, and I give you the greatest gift you've ever received. I buy you a brand new car. And it's like your dream car. So let's say it's just like a brand new Tesla or a brand new Mustang, uh, whatever, whatever is like your dream car. And I say, hey, I bought you this brand new dream car, but here's all you got to do. It's at the dealership, so you just have to drive there and pick it up. What are you going to do in that moment? right? Are you going to say, oh, yeah, I'll pick it up next week? I'll pick it up in a month. I'll pick it up in six months, a year, a decade. No, what are you going to do? Right when the party's over, you might even leave your party early, right? And you're going to go and you're going to drive to that dealership and you're going to pick up that dream car that you get for free. Why? Because it's a great gift. The greatest gift that you could ever receive is the grace of God. And that's not a gift that you just kind of receive once and set off to the side. It's a gift that you, when you realize its goodness, when you realize its power, when you realize how good of a deal it is that God loved you even when you were unlovable, you run to him and you say, God, thank you. God, I need you. And today, I place my faith in you. And so what I'm going to do right now is, uh, I'm actually just going to personally say a prayer of receiving God's grace into my life because there isn't a day that goes by in my life where I don't need to receive His grace. And if you're in here today, and maybe you need to receive that grace for the first time, 
Maybe it's just living in it and you want to go deeper. You can say this prayer with me just in your own heart. Join me in this prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you want to give me grace as a gift. I thank you that you died for me and for my sins on the cross. Lord, right now by faith, I'm coming to you and asking you to help me grow deeper in your grace. And Lord, I pray that you would guard me from the false gospels. And from this place of receiving your grace, empower me to passionately share your gospel with this world that so desperately needs it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for letting me be with you tonight. It was so good to be with you all. Uh, it's from my understanding that if you just go uh, straight this way, if you turn right into the lobby to the left, there's these connect cards. Uh, if you prayed that prayer to receive God's grace in your life, and maybe it was the first time, where you really, it was like, man, this is the first time I really received God's grace. Today I started that relationship with him. Can you please grab one of those connect cards? It's in the lobby right there. Fill it out. You can let us know about that decision and then drop it off on the table there on your way out. And I'm sure that the uh, pastors here and Pastor Jeremy here would love to follow up with you and encourage you on that new journey and that new step that you've taken uh, tonight. But again, I love you all so much. Uh, God bless you. And I hope to see you guys again sometime in the future. But I think we got David coming on up. So give it up for David.